0: Who introduced you to Pablo Escobar, huh? Me. Me. Who introduced you to your fucking Colombian wife? Hmm? Me. Who protect you? When my friend Cesar Rosa wanted to
1: slice your throat huh? huh? Me.
0: Who made you make millions and millions of dollars? Me. And what do I get in return? This. I have always given you everything, George, always, but (laughs) that is over now, (laughs) yeah, you know, this is my operation, my dream, so go home, go back home, go home, go back to your stupid little life. Go back and sell half grams to your fucking relatives for like here. Because you're out. Because you're out. And don't be so emotional, George. We are brothers. We are brothers. Next time it's fucking loaded. Bye. Good evening and welcome people to episode 96 of Dude and a Monkey. Uh, hopefully you'll be listening to this like a few days after you listen to episode 95. Uh, apologies, that one was out late, uh, but it's due to my continuing lapse of issues, which hopefully now solved. I'm your host, Mark Foster, and as ever, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host. Ian Loring, hey guys. Hello, and this week uh, we are going to talk about a film that Ian hated, American Sniper. Yeah, I mean, like, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, yes, get we'll get into it. Um, we're also going to talk uh, some one on one news. We're going to continue our Ian and Mark Drag-Burner Herzog over a mountain uh, marathon with Strozek. And we're also going to do a little bit of Oscar chat and some trailers and some questions and everything. It is back to our usual show format for about the first time in, I think, nearly a month or so. Yeah. Uh, Christmas, Christmas and New Year always throws up some kind of weird sort of stuff because... We've got fitting times and everything like that. So it's nice to get back into kind of an, an, an even flow with things.
1: 100%. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been a bit all over the place the last few weeks, and we, we do apologise for that. But yeah. Fuck
0: it, it's free. It's it, it's free, and, and we'll be we'll be back back on a normal floor probably uh, from now on until we have weddings and stag weekends and things like that coming up. Uh, yeah, so for,
1: for about the next month or so then.
0: Yeah. Uh, but but you'll, you'll still be hearing from us, on average, once a week, we'll say. Oh, yeah, uh, it, yeah, It might be you will hear from us for ten days, then you'll hear from us twice in five days. But you'll you'll still be hearing from us plenty. Um, Ian, is there anything you need to add before we jump in and do a little bit of Oscars chatter? Because, of course, the nominations came out um, on Thursday, I believe.
1: Indeed. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, no, no. Let's uh, that's, that's go. Cool, right. Uh, well...
0: The Academy Award nomination come out. We'll just run through kind of like the the, the big uh, the big hitters. Um, the one that seems to cause the most kind of uh, chagrin it seems to be Best Animated Feature Film. Uh, the film was nominated with Big Hero Six, The Box Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon Two, Song of the Sea, and The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Um, uh, what what seems to piss people off about that one, Ian? Oh well, yeah,
1: <laughs> the Lego Movie. Yeah, you know it. It was really, really big at the box office. A lot of people intensely loved that film with a love that I almost find a little creepy. Mm. Um, And, yeah, it didn't get nominated. Who knew? A bunch... And this was a big thing as well, the fact that the Academy is mainly old white men. Mm. Amazingly, old white men maybe didn't like the Lego movie as much as... The twenty, thirty
0: somethings on Twitter. Who knew? Does, can I just throw something out there that I was thinking about with the Lego Movie. Does it? Do you think this? That and it's a really small point, but do you think it might have influenced um, people's uh, feelings towards it in choosing it for best animated feature? The fact that it's all not a hundred percent animated. There is some live action thrown in there.
1: I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think. It, it it just it didn't it didn't do it you know the the academy is you know it's not a representative community no, or anything absolutely. like no, that no. you know which obviously the stuff with Selma um they like they went up in arms about that with and it just I don't know they probably just saw it as a film for kids probably didn't give it the time of day and went for these other films instead and I mean like I would have How to Train Your Dragon 2 and The Box Trolls in there over it, and I haven't seen the other three. Yeah. Um, so I I don't have a problem with it. Um, it's it just I don't see why people are getting so het up about the Oscars. It's yeah. a weird valid, validating of their opinions. And I know also, in the end of the day, The Lego Movie is a film that has done very, very well, thank you very much, without Oscars. Maybe give it to a film like The Tale of the Princess Kaguya or even The Box Trolls that could actually probably do with the recognition.
0: Yeah, it's a strange thing, you know, the fact that people seem to, seem to still um, view the Oscars as being almost like a, well... Hang on a minute, surely Blar's one of the best films. You know, for instance, the best picture nominations were American Sniper, Birdman, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, um, Theory of Everything, and and Whiplash, which you pretty much could have picked those those out as being the ones that would probably get nominated. There's a couple of ones where I was almost surprised that they didn't get nominated. For instance, I was, I was a little bit surprised that Aaron Vice didn't get in there, uh, just based not on the fact that, of the actual film itself, but based on the fact that it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Um, and, you know, the Academy nowadays, they're without imagination. You know, they they put forward the films that they think they should put forward. That's I'd also,
1: it. I'd also maybe wonder, with the best animated feature thing, where it might have been a case that maybe the marketing people behind the Lego movie assumed it was going to get nominated, yeah. so they didn't really push it to the academy members. Maybe you know, yeah. I mean, like, everybody assumed the Lego movie was going to get nominated, like, straight up. And I have to wonder if that that maybe there was a sense of blase about it, you know. I mean, like, the, the Song of the South, which is the new film from the people who did The Secret of Celts, which also got an Oscar nomination a few years back, surprisingly, they probably just pushed it in front of the, that branch's eyes. I think we also have to remember, I think the animated feature category. I don't think the nominations are decided for by everyone. No, they're not. I, you know, I think it might be a specialist branch. So in that case, then the argument could be maybe the animators didn't see enough craft in the Lego movie to give it the nomination. I mean, what, what have you got? You've got a Ghibli film, you've got House um, Dragon 2, which uh, is gorgeous, and has very adult fe- themes lying under it. Big Hero 6, I haven't seen it, but, you know, maybe my argument falls apart there slightly. I
0: wonder how many of those specialist people have been given checks, uh, have literally been given checks for working by, let's say, Disney.
1: Uh, yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And then the box trolls, which is, you know, um, it, just stop motion and CG. There's a craft to it. And I mean, with the Lego Movie, in the end of the day, the vast majority of it is CG. Mm. You know, as as much as they try to make it look like a stop motion, it's not. And I I, I, I don't know, it just I, I, I it was weird how uppity people got about it. Mm. It, it. It really took me aback.
0: Yeah, I mean were there any sort of sort of like, uh, curveballs that you thought, where you looked at and thought uh, when the nomination came out? Mm, that's a little bit out of left field. Ah, uh, mmm, not really sure on that one.
1: Um, I, I wasn't. I, I was. I was pleasantly surprised for Rosamund Pike because. Yeah. I mean, the the best actress field is apparently quite a weak field this year anyway, but. Um, I, you know, the I, I, Gone Girl didn't really feel particularly Oscar-y to me, and I mean, it wasn't really. Yeah, I mean, it was, it just... That
0: was that was never going to get nominated for any for, for, yeah, for anything yeah. other than acting awards. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and, and so you know, fair enough. Even though, did you see the um, the visual effects? reel Yes. Uh, they did for it. That shit is crazy.
0: But visual effects are one of those things where.
1: If, if it's if it's not noticeable, exactly. if they're actually doing their job well, then it doesn't get nominated. I mean, yeah. yeah,
0: go back and look at the. I mean, did you ever see the reel for uh, Sorry, Wolf yeah. of Wall Street? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I
1: did actually. Yeah, yeah,
0: and that was that was incredible. Um, but like you say, if if they're not um, if they're not absolutely noticeable, like a Lord of the Rings or a Transformers, yeah. then they assume that they're just not there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but, um, no, I mean, the, the I, I don't know. I thought the nominations were all fairly expected. I mean, Meryl Streep for Into the Woods was a little bit, oh, right, okay. I mean, I had not seen Into the Woods, but it didn't really strike me as a particularly awardsy film. It's just Meryl Streep. Yeah,
0: it, that does feel a little bit...
1: And in, in, in the place of Rene Rousseau for Night Ruler, I thought that was a bit...
0: Troll. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, it's in, insane that I, I was a little bit surprised at Emma Stone getting a supporting action nom for uh, Birdman. I, sure. I really liked Birdman. Don't get me wrong, I and mean, I thought Emma Stone was was great in it. But you know, it, you look at that and say, is that really an Oscar worthy performance? Though it, it's not quite. She's good, but it's it's fairly turn up and do three days on set.
1: Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I will say, I haven't seen Selma. I was surprised. I mean, like, apparently David O'Neill o- got a standing ovation at a BAFTA screening, which apparently is unheard of. So yeah. I was a little bit surprised by that, even though, again, apparently... Paramount fucked up and didn't get the screeners into people's hands in good enough time. It, it, um, it, literally,
0: it, it can be something like that. Yeah, that can uh, fuck people, because these people don't go to the cinema yeah, to yeah, watch yeah. things.
1: No, exactly. They, I mean, th- th- that's something. That I, I was listening to the Empire podcast, and um, one of the guys on there was saying, you know, you'd think with Selma they go they go to the cinema and actually see it because it's a film being talked about. It's just like, no. I. I I think maybe it's not understood that these people have families and, you know, know, other shit to do. They live in the film world. They probably don't take their spare time to kind of do that. And also the screeners thing is a massive, massive thing. Um, And, you know, I, I, I think that genuinely was a problem. It's interesting. I, I said on tw- uh, on Twitter or Facebook, it's the only Best Picture nominee I could ever remember people talking about getting snubbed. Yeah. And it's a Best Picture nominee.
0: Yeah, th- you know, one of those it- things as well, the, 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 the snubbed thing, um, is something that's kind of baffled me a little bit uh, in relation to, to the Oscars. Which lot, people have used it a lot this year. And it's like, look, a certain film, they haven't been... Snubbed. They just haven't been chosen. I can't mm. see all these people getting together and going, right? Uh, can uh, is, everyone, is everyone here? Yeah. Right. We're not gonna nominate blah for blah this year. They're not snubbed. It's just out of all of these, they they just didn't happen to get chosen, rightly or wrongly. But these are not. It isn't like on February whatever it is. The was it the seventh? Is it on this year? Nah, it's what, the
1: Oscars themselves? Yeah. Uh is it? I think it's like a week after the February bat, the
0: 22nd. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's not like February the 22nd, hat comes round, and then whatever wins best picture wins it, and, I, and me and you have to go, oh, well... Well, fuck, you know, Whiplash was, was 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 my film of the year, and and, and you know, yours might be actually. But mine, ended up going, oh well, my my best film of that year was The Wolf of Wall Street, and it can't be anymore. Now it's got to be Boyhood because you know the it won the Oscar, and therefore it is. This this isn't a definitive; it's a group of people are really? choosing to award these, and the Oscars, the award ceremony things, uh, as they become more political and more about, um, you know, essentially baiting people into getting things and, and buying awards quite literally uh the harvey weinstein approach mm. um they've they become more about the spectacle of it all i like the oscars i like watching the oscars do does do i give a fuck about you know whether x wins or y wins no at all
1: that, that that's the thing it is nice to see your favorites get Rewarded hmm. and see them up on stage and getting an award and whatnot. But at the same time, like, I would want Whitlash to win Best Picture. I haven't seen all the that nominees yet, but at the moment, I would want Whitlash to win Best Picture. It's not going to, and I, I don't care. I'm just, I, I, I maintained all along. On Twitter, anyway. I was happy as long as Whitlash got a nomination for Best Picture. I don't care what else happens. I just want to see that film get nominated. It did. I could not give a fuck what happens at the ceremony itself in any of the categories. Now, I'm happy with Whitlash getting a nomination.
0: Can I say one thing that I did think was quite strange, though? I did think it was very odd. Um, and it's a film that I wasn't, and I wasn't that much a fan of, but Foxcats gets nominated for director, actor supporting actor, uh, screenplay, yeah. yet doesn't get nominated for picture. It's that so it had one of the best five directing performances of the year, which is laughable because it's not a very well directed movie. And it had two of the best one of the best male supporting male supporting actor performances and one of the best actor performances and it had one of the best scripts according to the Academy. Yet it wasn't one of the best films. That just seems... All of these things were fantastic about it, but then, oh, the actual... The actual completeness of it, all wasn't good enough. Yeah, I mean, like... That's the, a strange the, one, that.
1: The, the, the rubric for how a film gets a Best Picture nomination is if at least 5% yeah. um, of the people at, at the Academy who nominate the films put it on the uh, Like, have it on their list or something like that. Yeah, and the, so... the, the,
0: the, the strange thing is also, as well, the fact that now... It, it, the amount of films that can be nominated for Best Picture can change now, can't it?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's this 5% thing, which is key. Mm. So, obviously, less than 5% of the nominating branch for Foxcatcher was worth it. I mean, it doesn't... The, getting a picture nomination but not a director nomination makes perfect sense because of the numbers. Mm. The director and not picture is... Yeah, I don't get how that works. I mean, it's basically saying, oh, the producers fucked up on that. It's like, well, what did the producers fuck up with? They're the ones who basically get all the talent together, and the talent got nominated. So, you know, dot, dot, dot. It's 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 weird. Actually, one surprise, Morton Tilden get a director nomination for the in- I- Im- Imitation Game. Yeah. That is very, very odd, because that film is fine... But the direction is not something that stands out about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, can, can I say one thing that is, that is really, really fucking. that I'm actually really quite happy with? Um, Bloom Harris Productions have got a Best Picture nomination. Jason
1: Bloom is an Oscar, is nominee, an Oscar nominee. Is You know, hilarious. You know, and
0: if you look at it, whiplash is it's a different film in comparison to what they've done before and what they're going to do in, in the future but it's obvious that, that he's seen it and gone do you know what fuck it i want that i yeah. that that is me going against what we usually do but going i want to support that fuck it, this movie and it, it's worked incredibly um go on then P- predictions
1: um, okay, my predictions. Picture, boyhood, director, link later. Actor, Redmayne. Actress, Julianne Moore. Supporting actor, uh, JK Simmons. Supporting actress, Arquette. Uh, best original screenplay, Grand Budapest. Best adapted screenplay. I'm actually tempted to go for Whiplash there. Um, I mean, don't, those are the biggies, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um... All, the, I'd, I'd agree, all, all the same on those. Uh, yeah, yeah, I pretty much say that. Um, screenplay,
1: screenplay is the one is the one biggie that Grand Budapest is going to get, and then I think it's going to pick up a few technical. I think overall, Grand Budapest may turn out to be the um, the, the the largest winner of the night, but the most. The, the most major award it will get is screenplay for me. But I, I think it will get Best Score as well.
0: Yeah, I, I, I pretty much I'd agree with every single one that you went for in that. Um, I think Julianne Moore will win it because it, she, it, that's one of those where it's her time.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, that's all there is to it. Like I said, it is, a, it is kind of a weak field this year. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is.
0: Cool. Right. Um, are there any trailers that you want to chat about uh, this week that you've seen?
1: Uh, let me get my screen back on. Um, I'm going to go on trailer alert and have a look. Sorry, I um I turned my screen off when we're recording now to um, keep myself focused. So uh, just be a sec. Um, um, unfriended. Um, which i'm kind of interested uh in a way i don't know like a horror film over skype is is an interesting concept it'll probably be shit but hey and uh spy um the red band trailer for spy which um i'm gonna see because i like paul Feig. i like bridesmaids i like the heat i own the heat on google play that's how much i I like the heat yeah um I, know, so,
0: I really liked The Heat. Uh, I mean, I despise Bridesmaids, but I really liked The Heat. Um, I okay. will watch Spy at some point, but I'm in no fucking rush to do it. No, I
1: mean, I'm not in a rush to see it, but I I don't know. Like, Melissa McCarthy does kind of make me laugh, even when she is just swearing at people. I, I, I think she is kind of naturally funny. I didn't hate Tammy nearly as much as I expected to, mainly because of her. Um, so, I mean... The, the the thing is, I, she's better at what she does than someone like Kevin James is, um, and I don't know. I, I I I think she's got a bit more to her. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I agree.
0: I think she's got a bit more to her. I, I just w- wish she'd she'd stop wasting it with um, fat girl fall down, fat girl swear.
1: Yeah, I. I the, the thing is, I've got as as we've discovered on this show, I have a fairly base sense of humour. <laughs> So that stuff can make me laugh if it's done well.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: I, I'm a I'm a somewhat defender of the A Haunted House films. A somewhat defender, <laughs> so you know
0: a, a light defender.
1: <laughs> a, a, a very light defender, yes. But uh,
0: how about you? Um some of the sea. Um I was big fan of um The... What's it called again? Secret of Cows. Secret of Cows, yes, that's it. Big fan of that film that I can't remember the name of. Um, So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Song of the Sea. Um, Anarchy, a film starring a lot of people, uh, including Ed Harris, Ethan Hawke, Anton Yelchin, Penn Badgley, Dakota Johnson. Uh, It's um, a... It looks like a fairly kind of mid-to-low-budget, straight-to-VOD film that is apparently... um, Based, um, on Hamlet. Uh, don't, didn't pick that up from the fucking trailer, to be honest. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and one of the, uh, trailer quotes that's on it from, I think the Hollywood Reporter says it's like Sons of Anarchy meets Game of Thrones. Um, which makes no fucking sense because you couldn't have two shows that are further apart from each other. Um... So, yeah, uh, I'm vaguely interested because it's got an interesting-looking cast, and fuck it, I'll, I'll watch it um, one night just just because it exists, to be honest. Nice. Um, the trailer for Spy, uh, the trailer for Play, cool. Um, Chris Evans not being um, Captain America, is always nice. Uh, he's quite a likeable personality. Uh, he seems to play a screenwriter who... Um, Wants to write something more meaningful, uh, but he's just stuck in a world of writing romantic comedies. And you know what happens? His life turns into a more meaningful romantic comedy. Uh, So yeah, there's that. And then Out of the Dark, um, a horror film about possessed kids and shit like that. It looks really terrible, and I'll inevitably end up watching it. Uh, Other than that, not a lot really
1: i um, a just slight tangent. Yes. Um, just because it might be useful to one or two listeners, kind of random, but bear with me. Um, Virgin Media are raising their prices, um, like mid contract. Send out sent out letters to a bunch of their customers. Our bill was going up about ten percent. Um, but. <laughs> Thanks to a new government ruling where if um, you are going to get mid-contract price hikes, they have to offer you an out with no charge. Mm. Um, Yeah, I was able to phone them, and they would cut down some of our HD channels, but all the other channels that we had are still there, just most of them in standard def. I can live with that. They've given me BT Sport free for six months and a reduced rate of £7 a month for, um, going on in the future from that down from 15 And they've given me a code where I get Netflix free for six months. They've take, taken the first month's bill off entirely and they've lowered my prices. I was going to be paying 54 something a month. I'm now going to be paying 38 a month. All right. And all they've done is take off some SD channels. Mm. so my message to people on virgin media if you got that letter about the price increases phone them up tell them you're gonna fucking leave and they'll do you a deal like that just straight away barely just if you say i've been on the bt website they're offering some good deals at the moment they will chuck shit at you to make you stay
0: It always makes you wonder, why bother doing the fucking price hike? Why not just keep the fucking... But then again, I I had a uh, a BT engineer come out um, on Tuesday, I believe. Um, I rang them up... No, it was last week, actually. I rang them up on a Friday uh, to say my modem kept cutting out. They said, Right, we'll do some checks, we'll take, we'll take your mobile number, we'll do some checks, then we'll ring you back. They back 10 minutes later and said, Oh, it's a fault with the line, your modem is fine. That's your yeah. router's is fine. I said, Alright, fair enough. Uh, can someone come out on Monday and have a look? I said, Well, I'm not available on Monday, but can someone come Tuesday? Came out Tuesday morning. Guy came in with a new router in his hand, and I said, Oh, they said what the router went. Yeah, apparently, uh, he said, This is what he said to me, he said, if they say to you on the phone, yes, sure. it's the router, then what we do is we send you a new router and you plug it in, but they have to charge you for it. Whereas if they log it as a fault on the line, I oh, come okay. out, test the line, and go, no, your line's fine, but your router's not working, and we give you a router free of charge.
1: That's the thing. One of the things with Virgin, this is a tantrum, but never mind. One of the things with Virgin is that they don't charge for servicing and repairs.
0: Oh, but- yeah, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, because um, I've, I've I've heard that's a thing that can happen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, yeah, basically, just phoning. We were only four months into our twelve-month contract. It was a bit like, what the fuck. Um. So I fought it, and there you go. You know. So it's 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 worth it. it it's worth trying.
0: Nice. Right. We're going to play you a clip from the trailer uh, to American Sniper, the new Clint Eastwood film, and then I have a feeling Ian is about to unleash hell. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Would you be surprised if I told you that the Navy has credited you with over 160 kills? Do you ever think that you might have seen things or done some things over there that you wish you hadn't? Oh, that's not me, no. What's not you? I don't tell you enough. I'm so proud of you. You're such a great father.
1: So you're not worried about what might happen?
0: I'm willing to meet my creator and ask for every shot that I took. Don't pick it up. Drop
1: it. So what are you, in Germany or where?
0: Well, I'm stateside. You're home? What What are you doing? I guess I just needed a minute. <laughs> the thing that haunts me are all the guys that I couldn't save. Please, right now. I'm ready. Oh, my God. I'm ready to come home. Okay, you heard there a trailer for American Sniper, uh, the biographical film of uh, American Navy, US Navy SEAL, uh, Chris Kyle. Um, stars. Uh, who's it, Star again? My brain's gone Brent dead. Bernie Cooper. Cooper, Sianna Sianna Miller, Luke Grimes. animatronic baby. A, I don't even think animatronic. A, a Kmart is. baby. Um, directed by Clint Eastwood. Um, It tells the story of Chris Kyle, a former you'd say cowboy but he was more rodeo king who feels compelled to join uh, the army um seems to get dared to join the US Navy SEALs by somebody calling him a chicken um, it then turns out that he is an air sniper he is still recognized as the deadliest sniper uh, in US Ameri- uh, in US uh, military history with 165 confirmed kills and well over 200 uh, possibly unconfirmed kills Um, Ian, you just didn't get on with American Sniper, did you?
1: It's reprehensible. It's offensive. It's poorly made. I will say, Bradley Cooper is fine. He's fine. And good on him for bulking up. I wish that he had better material to play with. Aside from that, I... The feelings of rage I got at the end of this film are akin to the feelings of rage I got from grown-ups. And the the thing is, as I've said said on social media, it basically feels like a drunk Republican just going, America, 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 for, for, for over two hours. And that's all there is to it um there is not one moment where the film seems to even suggest that there is a fault to this man's personality despite the fact that he is horrible to his family but like in a in a quiet way where he never blows up at them but he just does whatever the fuck he wants he is a shitty husband he's a lousy father until the very end of the film. Um, and I, it just... I, 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 there must be more dimensions to the actual man than this. It, it I mean, I'm sure the family l- love the portrayal here because it's going to basically deify him. And it also paints an impression that you are a chicken... Unless you fight for your country until you get post-traumatic stress disorder or die in the line of battle, I I, I think it is dangerous. This film. I'm, I'm not. I'm actually not joking. There are people who are going to be inspired by this film and who are going to fucking die.
0: Can I, 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 should, I should ask you a quick question? How long do you think? Um... It, 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 you know, the, 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 the vast majority of the film is um, Chris Carroll's military career. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, how long do you think uh, he was in the uh, services for?
1: Judging by this film, I mean, literally just going by where he is with his family at the start, where he is at the end, yeah. I would say maybe a decade.
0: Right. How long would you say he was out of the uh, service before he was killed? Which is what it, it essentially it takes you up to that moment at the end.
1: Like six months, they they seem to move, and then he dies the next right. day. But if he I was go.
0: in the services for ten years, and the events after it for him, from him coming out, covered is just shy of five years. That's but that is that, and I, I just checked that because I was just curious as to as to how long he was actually out because it is, and remember, guys, we are all spoilers all of the time. It is literally dealt with that portion of the film from from when he essentially says, "I quit and, I, I, and I'm out." Is dealt with in would you say it's fifteen minutes? Yeah, yeah, I'd say ten Less minutes. Fifteen minutes, yeah, yeah fifteen sure. minutes tops. Um, yeah. yeah, just checked, close to five years. So well, what you're I mean, saying the, there, the, the wait, film
1: doesn't do that at all because no. there is no way those kids are any older exactly. than like eight or nine.
0: And so what you're saying there is 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 absolutely right in terms of what what this film shows you uh, of of this character. And the thing is, um, I didn't hate it as much as, as as you did. It didn't it didn't have that effect on me uh, uh, certainly. Uh, what I'll say though, is there's a good. Film here. There's a good story here. There's a good way to look at it. And Bradley Cooper, it, um, w- you know, this isn't Eastwood approach. Cooper for it. Bradley Cooper. This was his kind of baby. He bought the rights to the to the book and everything. And it's uh, and it was him who wanted to make it. Originally, I don't even think he was going to star in it. He was just going to produce it. Um, and it, it had been it had been offered around a few various uh, directors that had, that had almost made it, and then it ended up being Eastwood. And I think that that is the moment where this film went wrong, because Clint Eastwood is, is a very talented filmmaker. He's proved that over forty years that he's a very talented filmmaker. However, Clint Eastwood has a very set out set of um, Political feelings, and you know, he's not a, you know, he's a very sensible and a very smart man. But this film is very much to, you know, with the way it's directed, is very much his sensibilities, and it seems to be fighting against the sensibilities of how it's been written, or even Cooper's sensibilities to an extent. So it ends up trying to say one thing, but ends up saying another thing. And it, it, But all in all, to me, it, it just didn't save that much. And then you've got this really weird kind of run through the middle where he, what he seems to be doing from about, you know, from his first tour of duty is it, it seems to be him in a personal war against um, an enemy sniper who might be better than him
1: yeah i mean and, and uh, don't even get me started on the on the uh, on the enemy sniper thing it feels like somebody said to clint eastwood we need to have any semblance of character for this guy whatsoever just something anything so eastwood just took the afternoon went into a room got a random woman to play his his wife, got another animatronic baby, showed one shot of the guy's wife and said, there's your character, now fuck off. You know, I mean, (laughs) it just, it's, I mean, and that whole thing, I mean, I, I, I don't know. That sequence at the end where Bradley Cooper somehow shoots him, is that true?
0: What? But the... like
1: when he shoots him from a mi- over a mile away...
0: He, he did take out a number of people from over a mile away, yeah.
1: I mean, like, the thing is, the film itself makes that feel apocryphal. Just
0: unbelievable. Yeah. It, he... It, it's... The thing is, it, it, it's a really... It's a really strange film, because it, it is slightly underwhelming, to be honest. Uh... uh I was, I was actually quite looking forward to it until what you said, and then it made me think, oh, right, is this going to be, you know, is this going to go against my kind of liberal sensibilities? And I'm not an, an arch-fucking-liberal, um, but I have quite liberal sensibilities. And it, it didn't tweak on those that much. I was very much able to, personally, um, it, because it didn't get under my skin like it, it seemed to get u- u- under yours, um, it, the, I was watching going, well... I, I'm not enjoying as such, but it, it's interesting to see what's happening with this character. But it all just seems to brush over a surface. You know, this guy was, you know, c- clearly uh, had been affected by it and was clearly aware that he'd been affected by it, and other people were aware that he'd been affected by it. And it, it, the film actually says that, but it then says that it, he, it, it kind of wants to just brush over film, what he did about what he, what he actually the did about the film,
1: it. But... It basically says the film is essentially saying if you get it you know, if you take the fact your blood pressure is high seriously, you're a pussy. You know, I mean, But it, then well, again
0: but then again, you know, there will be people out you know, he that Chris Cart might have just been one of those guys. And it it, just, it is, is it is at the end of the day, it is a story of Essentially, of of his life. So, if that's the way he would react, the film, to an extent, has to react like that.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, I, I I understand that, but it just it from a so from a moral social point of view, I'm I find it incredibly disturbing that this film is just It, it is giving that point of view, not even bothering to challenge it. I mean, and his relationship with his wife, again, I was listening to the Empire podcast earlier on, and they were talking about how Sienna Miller had some meat to chew on. No, she doesn't. She she goes from good time party girl to basically a hectoring, you need to spend more time with your kids and your family, which I, I agree with by the way, but the way they portray her is essentially just a woman who is on the other end of the phone and who gives a fuck about her? He's doing this for his country and for his brothers. He's going to shoot those brown people because they're against him. He doesn't care why. He doesn't want to understand them. It, 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 I, and, and that's great. And this guy's a fucking hero. And it, I, it, I, I, I also, it doesn't even really... To me, conjure the spirit of a man who has a great sense of skill. And again, I think it's because that the stuff like him, shooting him from a mile away is done in such a like slow motion, like music drowns out of it. You know, CG bullet rushing towards the guy kind of way that it makes it feel fake. The the, the construction of this film feels wholly artificial to me. It doesn't feel like there's a beating heart here. The only beating heart that feels like to me is the head of U.S. Army recruitment.
0: (laughs) So you think it is a little bit, kind of, wants to be... It is a bit of a recruitment poster for...
1: I, I I think it is a complete recruitment tool. And holy shit, the U.S. Navy and Army must have been jizzing in their pants when they first saw this. It, it, I mean, it, it's it's like Top Gun, but for the land instead of the air. I it, and I mean, like, and the film made it made like ninety million dollars in three days this weekend at the U.S. box office. It was almost the highest earning R-rated op- like uh, weekend of all time.
0: Yeah, you know, so a that's... lot
1: of impres- a lot of impressionable eyes have seen this film this weekend. And that really, really worries me. And I'm not a pinky liberal myself. I mean, like, I'm, you know, I'm not a fucking communist. I don't, I've I've never gone on marches or anything like that. Um, even though I did vote for the Communism Party once, so maybe. And that actually wasn't that long ago, so, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe my, my opinion's mud. I don't know. It's just, I, 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 it really, really, this film really fucking bothered me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was a little bit, um, interesting, because a lot of people sort of say, you know, about Sienna Miller being completely underused and everything like that, Um, and uh, to be honest, when people started saying Sienna Miller's quite drastically underused, I I was actually quite happy about that, because she's she's proven over, you know, the past sort of ten years, that she's actually not a very good actress, let's be honest, Sienna Miller's alright, you know, but she seems to be a little bit kind of, you know, going for more more meteor roles, you know, she's, you know, in the past, sort of, you know, she's gone from doing stuff like, um, Stardust and G.I. Joe, uh, and just like a woman, to, you know, this year she's done Foxcatcher and American Sniper, and in both, you know, in Foxcatcher, she's barely fucking in it, let's be honest, and in this, she has a little bit more to do, and she's, she's perfectly fine in it. Yeah, I mean, the point, the
1: point of Fox, I mean, like, she's less of a presence in the story of Foxcatcher, she's supposed to be a presence in American Sniper.
0: Uh, but I, I think with it, I, I just think that maybe, again, maybe in the, the hands of a different director, that that character may have got a little bit more to do. But the simple fact is, I, I don't think Eastwood gives a fuck about that character. He no, The only character he gives a fuck about is the US Army and Chris Kyle.
1: As a cog in the machine,
0: yeah. but a particularly effective cog in the machine. Yeah, it's more that that's drawn into it. And again, it points back to the... Like I say, I've nothing against Clint as, as a director. I think he's a great director. But I, I just think that this could have done with uh, a director, this story, could have done with somebody who would have added a more more balanced view to it. Um, because you quite, yeah, quite easily could have gone too far the other way uh, and gone for somebody who's far too... Uh, liberal and far too, you know... Horrors of war and war is unnecessary and all that you know. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean, I will say that you get to which, which is you know, is the other the other side of the nonsense of it all. Um, Brian De Palmer's Redacted
1: is the opposite extreme of this film, yeah. and that film's a piece of shit as well. Oh God, yes. So you know, so I, I, yeah, I mean. If it's
0: a badly made film, it's a badly made film. Uh, one thing I didn't think that was particularly bad in this film uh, was the um, the montage scene at the beginning of him in basic training. It, it just that what? just felt a little bit like really, really you've done you're going to do that you're going to do a basic training montage and you're going to make it look that crappy. Mm. Uh, And, of course, um, right, Clint Eastwood has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven children, right? Uh, And I'm guessing of those seven children, at least five of them will also have children, right? So it's possible that Clint Eastwood has been in direct contact with upwards of double figures worth of babies, so why can't he tell that every single baby in this movie doesn't look like a fucking baby?
1: Yeah, I mean, the fake the, the, the <laughs> baby is like a thing now. Like it's, it's widely known on the internet. It's, it's brutal. I, it just, it, again, it's a bit of, it, it's kind of a signifier of Eastwood's lack of care. Like, I mean, I, I, I've read reports that apparently as soon as the film was done in production, Eastwood was like, right, I'm off and Cooper basically oversaw the post-production process, and, you know,
0: it's... Is that because Eastwood didn't like it, or because... No, because he's Clint Eastwood. Yeah.
1: Because he's Clint Eastwood, you know. And to be fair, I mean, Christ, he had Jersey Boys as well. I mean, like, he's
0: he's been pretty busy lately. Yeah, and the thing is, with Jersey Boys, that's a film that nobody even remembers was released last year.
1: No, totally. And, I mean, it's so weird that Clint Eastwood directed (laughs) that, but... um. But, yeah, I mean, I need a piss, so definitely shit. It'll be in my worst films of the year list. I wouldn't be surprised if it's number one.
0: Uh, For me, it it is, to be honest, it is a touching cloth. Uh, I think Bradley Cooper is very good in it, to be honest.
1: Cooper, he's all right, you know. I mean, like my beef with this film is not with Bradley Cooper's performance. Uh,
0: But I I do think that, that the film ends up getting its messages mixed up with itself and ends up never really... Saying anything and just kind of happening, and it does feel a little bit, a little bit lazy at points. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, I shall let you go, and you and it, and then we should oh, come my back my and do one so on you. Good man.
1: Oh my god, that is fucking gorgeous. that does oh man, that'll be dangerous if you're out on an out with this.
0: <laughs> oh. It will be at five point seven percent.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, that goes that smooth. Anyway,
0: right. Cool. Uh, right, Ian, Ooh. do you want to hit us with your one old or one new first?
1: Ooh, poacher's choice. Badger's poacher's choice. Oh, God, that's fucking gorgeous, that is. Um, <laughs> right, OK. Uh, My one old... Actually, yeah, I do have a one old and a one new. Huzzah! Um, OK, so my one old is the Pixar story. Um, so I'm, uh, about to start a, um, a series of posts on nerdly.co.uk, um, going through the Pixar films, um, in, like, in order leading up to, um, Inside Out. Oh, so yeah. So, um, and I was scouring Netflix the other day, and I saw this on there, I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before, but it'd be nice to, uh, you know, get a little, a little bit of a grounding before, um before signing off. And, um, I believe this started, it started by a Leslie Iwerks, who I believe was a former Pixar employee. And it started out as like an independent production, but then Disney got kind of got wind of it. And then, um, uh, it kind of went like in house. Um, and to be honest, you can kind of tell, uh, it is, it is slightly a puff piece, uh, about how Pixar, um, started essentially from, um, it's, uh, it, it's kind of it, it startings in um, uh, for, uh, working for George Lucas and the uh, these guys made a Pixar computer and then uh, George Lucas was just like I don't want to make software so you're out. And then Steve Jobs kind of bought them and then took it from there and they had a dream of making an animated feature and it kind of goes from there. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's interesting on a pure fact level. Um, but I will say, have you ever seen um, video of like the Pixar offices. Yes, right. Does, does the does the term enforced fun ever come across to you when you
0: watch videos of the Pixar offices? Yeah, it, it, it's that whole um, kind of. That whole internet explosion, let's be a fun company, like the Google like, campus and all of that, where everybody has to, you know, look like everything's it's, joyous and amazing, everything like it's, that. Yeah. It's
1: like in my office on Children in Need Day. Hmm. You know, where it's just, let's... Do stuff, you know, let's 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 I don't know, let's have a bait sale and let's all dress up in crazy clothes and you know, I mean obviously that's for a very good cause and whatnot. I would hate to work at Pixar. It would drive me nuts. It would be like that episode of The Simpsons, itchy and Scratchy Land, <laughs> where um, it's that place where it's New Year's Eve every night.
0: Yeah.
1: Um it, it would just and, he, and the, the, the 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 Marge says to the, the, the the waiter, like, Oh, it must be so Brilliant, celebrating this every night, and it's just like, "Kill me!" <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it just—it uh, would drive me up the wall. It just be like, "Look, I just want to animate this fucking tale." All right, just stop it! All right, I need to make sure that all the hairs in this tail are responding to the wind direction. I don't need you telling me that I need to try some of this incredible pie.
0: Yeah, and and sit on a beanbag. Not not constructive. What I'm doing, to be honest, really being being, yeah. being honest, really irritate. Every time I lean forward, the back of it shoots up, and I have to readjust. And it... Yeah. it, it I hate you all,
1: John John Lassiter. Right, I need. To concentrate on animating this fucking tail, I can't sit in a beanbag chair and do my work animating this tail. I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get sciatica, and then you're gonna have to deal with that, and then this tail's never gonna get done. Can you,
0: can you imagine? Can you imagine the person in the meeting with them? Right, we're painting uh, the uh, new staff kitchen. Uh, any ideas on colours? Could just go, could just go like grey. Could just go like grey. Uh, get the fuck out. Seriously, get, yeah. get get just get the fuck out. Uh I have an idea. What? How do you do we do it? A rainbow colour and we have a, a a big animated lion comes out and roars at you every time you put the kettle on. You see that's the yeah. kind that's the kind of that's kinda of out of the box thinking we need out here, Terrence. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. It, oh my, I mean it would do oh. It just... Give, give me the sweatshops in Korea where DreamWorks probably put their shit together.
0: <laughs> you
1: know, at least if you get some fucking work done.
0: Yeah.
1: I just realised Lottie's like, really close, and I've been swearing for about the last three or four minutes, but I don't know if he's paying any attention. Um, but, yeah, anyway... Um, and th- th- the thing is, it talks about the development, it talks about Toy Story and a little bit on Bug's life, and then it goes up to the... Inc- no, Cars, mm. I think... But, like, as it does each next film, there's less and less time spent on each one. And it's like, there's a section on The Incredibles where uh, Brad Bird is talking about how he was essentially an outsider. <laughs> he was the first outsider brought in to direct a Pixar film. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, I want to hear more about that. But no, instead, we're going to have footage of Pixar's paper airplane making competition and stuff. It just, it, 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 it's... It's, it, I mean, like I say, from an information point of view, it's interesting, but it's it's not dry because of the people in it, but it's very standard issue slot A into tab B kind kind of documentary filmmaking, and it's, it's got no bite to it at all, really, apart from um, when they. Are talking about when they first did um toy story and it was terrible and they basically scrapped it and started again then with toy story 2 they scrapped it completely nine months away from release you know they um what's interesting about pixar these days is like their brain trust and how they have they seem to have no problems firing directors halfway through and then putting directors in you know uh, famously they did that with brave the um uh, the uh, it was like the first Pixar uh, uh, female director. Yeah. Um, she got shunted out, but um, she still did enough work to actually get an Oscar. And she's up on stage with this guy who who kind of took her place, you know. And it's like that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. Yeah, Brave wasn't made when this came out, but it just, yeah. I mean, it's fine. And but I don't really know why I watched it again, apart from getting this thing done. And it's the only old I had this week, so sue me. Yeah.
0: Cool, um, well, I'll do you my I did my one new, because my one new is also documentary, it's the only one new that uh, I can talk about, because uh, probably the other ones are films that we're going to discuss in the, the future, um, on future episodes, um, one of which is Inherent Vice, uh, which, yes, I can't wait to talk about, and I can't cool. wait to see again.
1: Um, but watch- never, I think I'm probably never going to talk publicly about films I haven't opened in the UK, or I haven't got I haven't got a legal way of seeing in the UK publicly ever again. I'm probably just not going to watch them until they're actually out in the UK, so I don't have to get into fucking arguments with
0: people. Uh- I'm, I'm bring it on is what I'll say, people yeah, I, I, I just I
1: can't be asked. see my Facebook history over the last couple of weeks for that sorry carry on
0: yeah um I watched um, a film called uh, Deceptive Practice and noticed it was on um, Netflix. Um, and wanted to watch, um, and just, but I, I was in a really funny mood where I, I didn't want to watch a film, but I wanted to watch a film. You know what I mean? Uh, so I came across this, and it's uh, it's essentially it's a documentary about uh, Ricky Jay, the uh, actor, writer, uh, and magician. Um and okay. chief. Um and what it does it's it's kind of like it's him um talking about how he got into magic, but it's not like a, a documentary about his life going up through. It's a documentary about how um when um he was a kid. His grandfather um, got him into uh, magic, um, and his grandfather happened to to know quite a few of the, the sort of the popular magicians uh, of the time. And so, I mean, Ricky Jay to give a, a, an idea uh, about sort of Ricky Jay and. Um, how much of a career he's had I- in magic and everything yes. like that. Ricky J is, uh, I think, is like in his mid-sixties. Uh, he's probably like sixty-six, something like that, right? He has been a paid magician and working as a paid magician since he was six. He's he's been working on stage, not not paid, but working on stage in front of people, and not just, like, his family, but on stage in front of people since he was four. Um, And he's been a paid magician since he was six. Um, And it goes through uh, his grandfather essentially uh, introducing him to sort of, um, you know, all these various sort of magicians um, that were around in sort of, like the, uh, early, sort of, 60s and the, and the, sort of, mid-50s, and going through, sort of, him saying, like, and, and, you know, I'd go around, um, and spend, sort of, time with them and they'd teach me this trick and they'd teach me this and, you know, I'd get that. And then when his grandfather died when he was 16, 17, because he just didn't get on with his parents, he essentially just left home. Um, yeah. and then went out and tracked down other, um, Magicians and card shacks um, and things like that to learn all of this, and he's been working essentially since he was like 16 uh, as as a magician. And now he, you know, he crops been filmed. You know, he's, he's famously worked with Paul Thomas Anderson quite a bit. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Ricky Jay is um, just quickly just quickly go on IMDb, uh, type in Ricky J, and straight away you'll recognise him as being, you know, he was in Magnolia. Uh, sorry, he was the uh, narrator in Magnolia. Yeah. He was in Boogie Night. He's done loads, but also look at the amount of things where uh, he's actually on there as like a a crew. He's on part as part of the crew where he sort of put the prestige. He works a lot, a lot yeah. with David yeah. Mamet, doesn't he? He does work like, a lot, six six, and, and Mamet yeah. he's actually uh, directs a lot of his stage shows as well. And Mamet's actually in this documentary as well, talking about him because they they do talk about Ricky J as well in this, and they do mention that he he can be quite an abrasive character, and he can also be quite a, a, a lovely character. There's a great thing with uh, a, a journalist from the Guardian where she was working with him, um, writing a piece on him, and. Um, she's talking about the fact that he was she, she was writing a piece on him while the BBC were doing a documentary on him, um, and the documentary maker was essentially, she says, was you know trying to, to push him into doing this certain big trick for the big end of this piece that the BBC were doing on Magic and on Ricky Jay himself. And because he was being pushed to do it, he didn't want to do it and he ended up getting really annoyed, so he turned around to this, this journalist, this um, Guardian journalist and said, You know, come on, you've got to do this interview. Let's go and do it now. Let's go and get lunch and let's do this. What is it? He said, And he said, You know, he sat down at this cafe and he put his menu and he's reading his menu and he's talking about this trick um, that the director wants him to do and how he doesn't want to do it. And he said, He's talking about it for like two minutes. So then all of a sudden, he just lifts up the um, the menu. And he's done the trick, and this trick is producing a solid block of ice, like uh, a foot square, out of nothing. And she said, you know, we've been sat there for like two minutes, nobody brought him anything, and he produced it out. And the thing is, she's visually, she is quite shaken by when she's recounting the story, and he's actually tearing up. And he's he's getting quite shaken by just saying the story and just talking about how how it, it freaks her out and how it's amazing the fact that he wasn't doing that for an audience he was just doing it yeah t- just just out of it and he's, there's, there's quite a lot of it he's, he's talking to Ricky Jay he, he's talking about the fact that um the most relaxing thing you can do is to sit down at a table with a deck of cards and lose twelve hours. And he's showing you, like... And the good thing about it's not, it is it doesn't show you an awful lot of tricks. It's one of those things where the documentary's about an hour and a half long. I'd say give yourself a good couple of hours, watch the documentary, and then after it, or even before it, actually, um, go on YouTube and type in Ricky J 42 Assistants, for instance. Er, 52 Assistants. Uh, and watch that. It's about forty-five minutes long, uh, and that is the stage show um, that is is featured in bits Ooh. of this. It's directed by David Mamet, but it just gives you an idea of, of how fucking good a magician and, and and card manipulator this guy is. But it, it is an absolutely if you have any interest in magic or in Ricky itself himself, it is an absolutely fascinating documentary. It's an hour and a bit long, an hour and twenty-five minutes maybe, not even that. I don't think. I think it's maybe like seventy-six minutes. But it's on Netflix UK. It might even be on Netflix US as well. Um, but it, 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 a, a
1: deceptive practice. Uh, yeah. Is
0: cool. yeah. Absolutely yeah, fascinating. It, it, it's brilliant. But what I would say is, I'd, I'd actually say maybe before, if you get time, maybe not right before, but you know, a couple of days before, something like that, uh, watch even just a few. Even if you just type in Ricky J in, in YouTube and just watch a few of him, just to get an idea of, of him as a magician and as a card manipulator. And it gives you a level of, when he's talking about these various uh, people, like, that were his mentors and that were his idols and everything like that, it gives you an idea of of how good he actually is and how he doesn't see this as... He sees this as an obsession and as a life, not just as a vocation or anything like that. Um, It's it's a brilliant documentary. I was incredibly impressed by it.
1: Sweet. That sounds really fucking good, that.
0: Yeah. um, So, go on, then. What's What's your one new... Okay,
1: so my one new will be the Spirit Brothers' latest film, um, which is now out on VOD in the US. Predestination. Um, so Spirit Brothers, they directed um, Undead, uh, like, in the mid-noughties, and they directed uh, Daywalk, Daybreakers.
0: Daybreakers, yeah, that, was a, that was a, came out of nowhere. A really good film, Daybreakers.
1: Yeah, it? yeah, which is really, really solid. Um, starred Ethan ha- uh, Hawke, mm. and he returns here. Um... And, yeah, basically, um, there's not much you can actually say about the story without giving anything away, uh, if if I'm honest. But, um, right, Ethan Hawke is a temporal agent. Um, He is given missions by uh, Mr. Robertson, I think his name is, played by Noah Taylor. And um, he is trying to prevent a bombing Um, by uh, a terrorist known only as the Fizzle Bomber. Um, At the start of the film, uh, he tracks down the Fizzle Bomber, uh, who's about to blow something up, and um, he uh, kind of shoots him, and uh, the Fizzle Bomber kind of runs away. And then Ethan Hawke... uh, Yeah... Heath, he, that is his name, isn't it? It's, sorry, I just had one of those things where it's like that doesn't sound right. but it is right? <laughs> yes, um, right sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Heath, it's like I don't know a mini stroke in my head for a millisecond or something. But um, yeah, Ethan Hawke. He um, uh, he gets the explosive and he's kind of like trying to uh, like pack it away in this like thing that he can contain it. And he he's just about to close the lid when it blows up and it um it kind of fucks up his face and he's be and he's then told you're going to get a new white face. You, your mother wouldn't even recognise you. And then, like, it, it, it's Ethan Hawke. Beforehand, you don't really see what he looks like, and then he's Ethan Hawke.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, it, um, it, it, and then um, he's told this is going to be your final mission, and he's given this monologue about how the final mission um, is as important as any other mission, because it's going to reach him to his final destination, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he cuts to uh, New York in the mid-'70s, and he's a bartender. And this guy comes in, um, and... Basically, bets him a, a bottle of liquor that he has the best story even Hawke has ever heard. Goes on from there. Um, hello, sorry, it's lossy. um So it then goes on to be a pretty mad story. That goes to some places you like you you do expect, but some others that you don't. Um, and yeah, I hadn't heard just how crazy this film gets, (laughs) and to talk about its themes would give away a lot. So, to be honest, I might actually end it there, and I wouldn't mind talking about something else quickly instead if that's alright. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) But I will just say. It's about 90 minutes. It's worth a watch. The last 15 minutes or so, it kind of bangs the drum of this is what's going on a little bit too hard for me. But there's some really interesting stuff. And it's basically a two-hander between Ethan Hawke and uh, this actress called Sarah Snook, um, who is very, very, very good in this film. And I will say nothing else, but I was really impressed by her. And Noah Taylor's in a few scenes. Anyway, moving on. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's worth a watch. It's not amazing, but it it makes you stand up and pay attention.
0: Nice. Um, I'll, and, yeah, yeah it, I'll, I'll definitely get into that, though.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. But, um, yeah, anyway. Uh, I also, talk about, quickly, The Book of Life, which I had mistakenly thought was nominated for Best <laughs> Animated Feature at the Oscars, and I think I was talking about it on Twitter and no one corrected me, and I just found out today... Um, that it's not, which is a shame. Produced by Guillermo del Toro, uh, directed by um, Jorge R. Gutierrez, I think he's credited as. And, um, yeah, the story is basically um, these kids are on a school trip uh, to a museum. Uh, A tour guide starts telling them a story about um, uh, two guys voiced in uh, in their later lives by uh, Diego Luna and Channing Tatum, uh, who uh, are obsessed with a girl played by Zoe Saldana and um, the lord uh, the the, the ruler of the world of the remembered uh, voiced by um, fuck I can't remember, never mind Uh, places a bet with uh, the ruler of the forgotten um, uh, voiced by Ron Perlman these two lands that people go into where uh, uh, if they die and they're remembered by the people still living they're in the land of the remembered and it's bright and colourful and joyous and uh, if they're uh, if people forget them they go to the land of the forgotten where they basically kind of they're like lost souls essentially um, they place a bet with each other about which one of these guys is going to win the heart of the girl and um, it kind of goes on from there um, really charming um, really fun um I, I was actually quite taken with it um it's got a really weird soundtrack where it's like a load of kind of like mexican almost mariachi band reworkings of like of, of popular songs there's okay. a, a, there's a version of i will wait by mumford and sons which i wasn't expecting um which is... I mean, it's it, it's bizarre, but it's... it's it, I don't know, it's all quite cool. Shannon Tatum's character is brilliant. He's this, like, doofus who... I can't remember this, his name, but whenever... I think his name's, like, Diego or something, and he's, like... He basically becomes a successful army man. And whenever he goes into battle, he just jumps out of frame and goes, Diego! And, just, and then just goes to work. It's... I don't know, it's really... I wish I knew his name because it's Joaquin. not Diego, but Joaquim! No, that's it. It's like Joaquim! <laughs> it's so. Oh, it's so good. Um, and Diego Luna's kind of like the, the kind of the more sensitive soul kind of guy, and um, it's it, it goes to some pretty crazy places, but it seems to really uh, give a lot of time to kind of Mexican law, um, and it's it's I, it's it's got a. Like the lack of beating heart in American Sniper, this has got all the beating heart. (laughs) This film is so full of sincerity and and a kind of a lovely feel that I. I, It it seemed to get kind of middling reviews when it came out, but I, I don't see how anyone would not be charmed by it. It's just a lovely, fun, funny film. Um, and yeah, I've, I actually thought it was a bit of a, uh, of a delight, so The Book of Life, um, not my favourite animated film that came out in 2014 uh, that would go to The Wind Rises or The Box Trolls as well um, like, uh, the more kind of traditional animated films I suppose, The Box Trolls would be my pick but um, yeah, uh, The Book of Life it's really worth a watch it's a
0: great deal of fun oh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely get rid of that one at some point Yeah, yes. I've, I've, yeah I, I remember really enjoying the trailer and thinking it looked, looked a hoot
1: yeah, it is a hoot is, is, is it, but it's very sweet as well, very
0: sweet. Ah, good, good. Glad to hear that it's not, it, it doesn't end up being a little bit too saccharine and not quite oh, there. God, no, 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 it's, 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 uh,
1: it's a lot of fun.
0: Ah, good. Right. Uh, I'll throw my one-old at you. Um, I um, was at work on Friday night, um, and I was covering with my own boss, to be honest. I wasn't, I, I ended up working last night as well, which is Saturday night, I don't usually work Saturday night. Uh, but I wasn't in Friday night, uh, and then I offered to cover for my Bosch so she could have a day off. Um, I was working the bar upstairs on my own. Uh, the electricity kept on going off, so I essentially I was sat in a very cold, very dark room waiting for people <laughs> to come yeah. upstairs if they wanted to use the bar for when then I'd have to run downstairs and put the electric back on and hope that it stayed on long enough <laughs> for oh, these people to have a drink. That was what I had to do. Luckily nobody actually came up, right? Nice. So what I ended up doing was I ended up sat in an incredibly cold room on a quite comfortable sofa with my iPad on my uh, on my legs as I was kind of squatted up and I thought, I'm gonna watch a film. Um, mm. And I ended up sort of, and if I'm doing that kind of thing, I'll watch what I've already watched and I was flicking it through um, Sky Go, actually, um, and came across, um... Gavin O'Connor's Pride and Glory, 2008 film. Have you ever seen this before?
1: No. Oh, no, yes I have. Yeah. I watched, I I tested the print at work and it was like midnight on a Wednesday night and we had late shows because it was Orange Wednesday and we stuck it on and I was tired. (laughs) Yeah. So I barely remember a thing about it apart from Colin Farrell and whoever the other guy is getting into a punch-up at the end.
0: Ed Norton, yeah. Ed Um, Norton. Uh, well, I, I remember uh, watching the cinema um, and kind of enjoying it. And I remember getting it on DVD and, again, kind of kind of enjoying it, but always thinking there was something not quite right there. Uh, it's a good idea if people haven't seen it like anything. It's by Gavin O'Connor, written by Gavin O'Connor, and uh, Dude and the Monkey uh, favourite Joe Carnahan. Um, and it is, at the start... Um, the, uh, there is a group of uh, NYPD officers are killed in a raid gone wrong. Uh, it turns out that these NYPD officers um, are under the um, stewardship of uh, Noah Emrich's character, Francis Tierney. Um turns out that, that he comes from essentially a, a lineage of uh, NYPD officers. Um, Servants. His uh, father, John um uh, Francisini is uh, now one of the police chiefs. Uh, His brother, Ray, um, played by Ed Norton, is now working in Missing Persons, but it's very much assumed straight away that he's there because something has happened um, (laughs) and that he should be meant for bigger things. Uh, The sister in all this, uh, Ed Norton and uh, Nora Emery, is married to uh, Colin Farrell, Jimmy character, who is uh, also under the... It is one of Noah Eric's men. Um, now, the thing about it is, it is very much one of those, like I said about the drop, it's very much a neighbourhood story. Um, and, you know, you've got a lot of quite sort of familiar faces. You've also got uh, people like Frank Grillo's there, John Ortiz is there, late Bell's in there, and there's a lot of sort of familiar faces that crop up. The thing that I like about Pride and Glory is... It doesn't go for the mystery angle. It lays its cards out there, and this is a spoiler for a film that's six years old. uh, But then again, I think you probably get this from the trailer. Um, It lays it out there that the NYPD, they're involved in what is going on. You know, know, it it straight away sets out the stall. Colin Farrell he is responsible in some way for these cops getting killed. And it's like him covering his tracks, or attempting to cover his tracks, but he doesn't seem to be very good at it, and then Ed Norton's character's put on a task force of tracking down what's happened, and he's then got the conflict of, well, you know, I might end up getting not only my brother, but my brother-in-law, and everything all ends up getting on top of him. And it, it ends up, all colliding. And the film is brilliant and great. <sighs> up until fleshy. Up until it gets to the moment where you have oh, the, the confrontation between Ed Norton and, and, and Colin Farrell. And what mm. happens there is it, it ends up just becoming a fist fight. And the problem is that Is it a fist fight in a bar? Yeah, it is. It, that yeah, that, yeah. that five not even five minutes, that's two or three minutes feels completely incongruous to everything else that has been handled, because Gary O'Connor it, it is a very sedated and very balanced um, director. You know, things like Tumbleweed and, you know, Warrior, they're not, they don't go for big, over the top. I mean, Warrior is very much, you know, it, it, it's, very, it's a very emotive film, but it, it, it does downplay a lot of it. And it just seems like that moment there feels just not quite in keeping everything else but then it, 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 it pulls it back by having a great kind of next sort of 5-10 minutes um, and it's it's, it's it's 2 and a bit hours long which is maybe a little bit too long for this type of film this kind of sort of standard you know midweek night thriller um, should maybe be you know between 110 and 120 minutes long this thing should be between, no, I'll go and confirm that. This film, this whole film should be either 107 minutes or 117 minutes. That's how long this film should be. Um, and it's, maybe if you'd just taken that small bit out and maybe rewritten it, it, it would have got a lot more recognition. But it's still sort of, you know, on a rewatch, I still really enjoyed it, still really got into it. It's a really great story. It kind of all fits together and makes sense. And I was a, a big fan.
1: Fair enough, I genuinely, apart from the fist fight, I don't think I remember a single thing about I, it.
0: I remember uh, very little um, going into it, but it goes back to what we were saying a couple of weeks ago. This is the sort of thing that you would like to see Ed Norton be more involved in doing, rather than, you know, not that I mean, he, he's very good in Birdman, but I'm, I'm saying the fact that, you know, it, he doesn't do an awful lot nowadays. Uh, in comparison to what he, he used to do, you know. In the past few years, you know, he's been in, you know, Birdman, the Grand... Well, actually, since Pride and Glory, he's done The Invention of the Lion, where I think he was he had a cameo in that. He did Stone, he was briefly in Moonrise Kingdom, he was in The Born Legacy, and The Grand Budapest Hotel. You know, that, that's six years, and he made, what, four, five movies... You know, And when you think about it, this is a guy who did People vs. Lifeline, Rounders, American History X, Fight Club, The Score, and Death to Smoochie in a four-year period. You know, Red Dragon, 25th Hour, they're great fucking movies as well. Uh, And he did all those in like a four or five-year period. And in the past sort of four or five years, we've not really seen anything, you know, of real fucking leading note from him. It's just a... I mean, he seems very happy doing what he's doing. It just seems like that those early powerhouse fucking performances that we got off him, uh, and he we just don't seem to see that from him anymore.
1: Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It's it, it it it's weird. I mean, like he he kind of does this thing of every now and then trying to mm. go to the mainstream, mm. and then just decides. Actually, no, do you know what? That's not going to work for me. You yeah, know, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's finding his niche now, though. It is. He's
0: it's, it's a, it's a straight one. Cause I mean, it, it must be a, a weird experience for him because he's not a... I mean, he's an incredibly intelligent man as well. You know, if you ever see interviews with yeah. him or anything like that, you know, he's... You know, he, he is... I think I think he went to Yale. I think, and he's a trained. Uh... Yeah,
1: I mean, he, he kind of seems like he might be hyper intelligent to me. Like he maybe is... even a little bit kind of autistic in the way he deals with the media. Yeah, you know?
0: he, he, I think I'm sure he went to Yale. Um, he's he, he comes from a very wealthy family. He's a trained solicitor, yeah. um, <laughs> and you know he has a lot of he does a lot of work. Um, you know, not acting he does a lot of. Um, work and environmental issues and everything like that, and he, he's heavily into that, so maybe it's just, he does acting as a release thing, you know, but it's just, when you watch things like that and when you go back to watch American Streets and stuff like that, you're kind of thinking at that point when you watched him, you were like, oh, there was, there was so much there, and you were really looking forward to a new Ed Norton movie coming out, and now you don't really have that, and it's a little bit you'd like that back, that energy and that spark back a little bit, spark. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Right, uh we're gonna go into our the second film in our Ian and Mark drag Werner Herzog over on Mountain um Marathon uh with his nineteen seventy-seven uh, movie uh Strozek. Um and here's a trailer. No, do you know what? It, there's no point in playing a trailer for this, is there? Because it's in German. Ah, of It's in German. It's German. So, um, Strzeg, um we meet at the start of it, uh, Bruno Strozek, who is a street performer in Berlin who is getting released from prison. Um, he it uh, is he, very heavily imita- uh, intimated that, He's had a problem with uh, alcohol and it's caused him to be in prison for the past few years. Uh, upon his release, uh, he's told that he, he should not drink and he's made to promise that he will never enter a, a bar again, and if he does he will order coffee and a pie. Uh, and what does he do when he gets released? He goes straight to a bar, gets a beer, and ends up uh, reconnecting with a prostitute that he used to know. Uh, and from there, ends up moving to America with Said prostitute, Wisconsin. and he's Wisconsin, yes, <laughs> strangely, uh, and uh, his elderly neighbour, uh, Ian Srojec.
1: Yeah, man, this is a, this is a weird, this is an odd, <laughs> fun one. This is, yeah, it, it's a a film that kind of goes from depressed to funny to straight up bizarre. And then back to one of the other ones, and just flits around all over the place. And I, I, I don't know; I was quite taken with it. Um, Bruno S. in the lead role is brilliant. It, it does feel like they genuinely got a man from the street. They, they do. Who, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bruno S. apparently works. He like,
0: works. I, I read mill, a I think.
1: story. Yeah, I read, I read a story that he had been in um, one of um, Herzog's other films. I think the Enigma the of Casper Hauser, yeah. maybe.
0: Yeah, he was. Uh,
1: and um, he was uh, Herzog said, "You're going to be in my film." What? What?
0: What? Yeah. Um,
1: well yeah, and um, and then uh, Herzog found found Tom Noonan, I believe, who he thought was better for the role for that. So he broke the news to Bruno S. and Bruno S. was just like, "Look, I've already." agreed to take two months off the steel mill, but you can't do this to me. I need the money, I need to live. So Herzog just wrote this film and gave it a similar title. Yeah, that
0: is so exactly that, um, true. Yeah, which is,
1: which, is, which is amazing. It kind of shows the strength of character that Werner Herzog has as well, that he'd be willing to do that. Do you know how long it took
0: um, Herzog to write this film? Wasn't it a week or something? Three and a half days he wrote it in. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Which, which um, you can kind of tell, but it, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a ramshackle film. Yeah. I mean, there is no character development whatsoever. Nope. Like, how they are at the start is how they are at the end, yeah. basically. But it's just fun watching these people on this odd little journey. And again, like with most of Herzog's films, it's the characters that, 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 that make the impression and the, the kind of the individual scenes um, like the one bit that sticks out in my mind is the auction, where yeah. that guy <laughs> that they're doing the auction is just it's almost like it's otherworldly, even though, you know, that's how auctioneers speak. But the kind of the matter of fact way that Herzog presents it, I mean, the, the film is almost got do- it, it, it feels like a documentary. Yeah. Um, at, at, at times, feels like he's just following around this kind of almost hobo guy, um, and yeah, I mean that scene is just super surreal, even though it kind of shouldn't be. I, I, I mean, it's a bit. I mean, Bruno S is amazing. He's, like kind of just looking off, in, like into the middle distance, like his eyes are glazing over as scenes are playing out, and yet, like whenever like, anyone actually wants to interact with me, he's straight back at it. Yeah. You know, and uh, the, the things he comes out with, the way he refers to himself in the third person, he feel It just feels like that's what this guy is like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's,
1: it's, it's a, a remarkable performance.
0: It is. It, it's... It, it does feel... You, you can... When you're watching it, you can feel that it was kind of... it. it, it to an extent, it was thrown together. Uh, but then again... You, it, you know, Herzog, that's not just, you know, that's somehow Herzog works, you know, he's, even if he has an absolute set in stone story, if, if I don't know, if he sees, you know, a lizard crawl up a wall on a morning when he's on the way to set, it could completely change the outcome of a film that he's making. You know, it, he is that kind of. It, it's very much done on an impulse, and that is what this does. He's got an outline of the story, and he, he's made it interesting going along. Um, you know, you've got the you know the, the weird pimps that are after um, Ava, Eva. Uh, yeah. and they they just keep on cropping up, and are just these two really bizarre bizarre characters, and then you've got that that. Really, um, just very Herzog ending where he essentially he becomes less interested in the characters in the film and more interested in these these strange little machines that he's found. Um, the last
1: the last fifteen minutes are amazing. Yes. Like just straight from the robbery yeah. and what happens there, and just like the way that the Bruno S. just buys this massive turkey.
0: (laughs) He buys it as well. He doesn't steal it around. He buys it.
1: Yeah, and he's just paying for it, and he sees his friend get carted off by the police, doesn't react to it in the slightest. And that's the last you see of his friend just rabbiting on about how it's all a conspiracy. And um, I, I, I I just thought him then like, going up north. Because I, I was thinking, oh, Christ, he, somehow he's going to find Eva and we're going to take it from there. It's like, no, he doesn't. Nope. His car breaks down. He has some a drink with some random guy and then gets on a fucking ski lift and just goes around and around while these animals in these boxes fucking perform, it's the weirdest fucking thing and, but, and to put, uh, to, to put oh. it across,
0: the animals in the boxes is, you pay 25 cents right, and one of them is a rabbit jumps from its hutch onto a uh, a little fire engine and a fire engine sound goes and it looks like the rabbit's mm. driving the fire engine another one is, a chicken turns on a jukebox and then dances Yeah, <laughs> and these are, that's a real chicken uh, what's the other one? There's a, there's a, a duck who plays the drum. Uh, there's and a, a rabbit. And a chicken who plays the uh, piano. Oh. Yeah. Um,
1: I, and the last... you got that, 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 sound, the, the, the music as well. Yeah.
0: The, whoa, whoa. And the, whoa. Last, the last kind of minute or so, or two, three minutes of the film, are just shots of those animals. Mm. Just doing what they do. Um, it is. It is incredibly biz- an incredibly bizarre movie in-, in the fact that, like you said, that there's no real kind of. There is a story, but there's no actual arc to the story. These things just kind of happen. Happen, yeah. And
1: um, I mean, that's, that's that's and I think that kind of aids with the kind of the documentary feel of yeah. it because it doesn't feel like there's a narrative inherent in this. You know, I mean, like it, it, it kind of feels like you know Ava's getting disconnected with Bruno, and like there's going to be. Like a turning point, and then they're going to reconcile. It's like, no, she goes off with these truckers, never to be seen again.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and, and, I mean, like, you kind of think, oh, but Bruno's going to get his shit together and he's going to, like, maybe he might get the home back or something. No.
0: Nope.
1: He goes up north and goes on a ski lift. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, 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 I it, 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 again, it does feel incredibly thrown together, mm. but there's a great deal of fun in it. Even regardless of that, um, yeah. Sorry, go
0: on. yeah. It, it is. I mean, it, it, the thing is, there's not actually that much to say about it because, not really. Honestly, not a lot happens, and it is nearly two hours long, but for the most part of it, it's actually really quite entertaining, you know. There's yeah, a I mean, it's a great genuinely, scene... it
1: genuinely... It flies, by. sorry. God. There's, there's yeah. a great
0: scene of him um, actually performing as a, as a street performer where he's got a glockenspiel and a and an accordion and he sings this incredibly random song uh, where you get the feeling either that it was just made up on the spot or Herzog wrote it and the, the actual the tone of the song doesn't fit the actual tone of the music, but it, it's... It, it, it just it all feels quite right, and again, like a gear of the wrath of God, it is. It's fun, and there's 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 a lot of of niceness to it that, that kind of surrounds what is essentially quite a miserable story. You know, you've got an alcoholic who gets released from prison and gets taken advantage of by a prostitute. Moves to America to please her. She then leaves when she fat once she realizes she can get on without him, and then he loses everything, including his friend, and winds up on a ski lift. Yeah. yeah, at no point does it feel downbeat or anything other than just a little bit fun. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's... It, well, I don't know, I mean, like, in the first act of it, I mean, especially before they get to America, the scenes where these pimps come oh, in I and just, it. like, kick the crap out of him, you know, I mean, there's... I, I, I don't know, I, I was... Around that time, I was thinking, oh, oh, dear Christ, are we in for a bit of a... A, a misery a misery porn but then again it's Werner Herzog so you know you can't you can never really take that that feeling seriously anyway yeah. um it's just that last 10-15 minutes or so I mean like it just it's so entertaining and odd
0: yes absolutely yeah, yeah i
1: just i love the fact that they do that robbery <laughs> and i was thinking that, like that when they go across the, store, the, the street they're gonna rob that place as well it's like no they just do some shopping
0: yeah that, that's it they, <laughs> they go they just go exciting. to rob a bank the bank isn't open so they rob a barber shop that's next to the bank because they're <laughs> all in on it and then they go up, a gun in the car and then go to a convenience store to do some shopping yeah, um, it, 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 yeah. It, it just shows the the ridiculousness of these characters that have been created. It's it's quite something. I I actually really did quite quite enjoy it. Uh, it's it's definitely not shit.
1: Um, oh, definitely not shit. I mean, it's it's. I, I don't think it's up there with Aguirre oh, or, no, or no. some some of the other, other films. But it's really really. Enter- entertaining, as you say. It's uh, yeah. I, I and also again, the BFI Blu-ray looks really nice.
0: Ah, oh, good. Uh, next week, uh, I'm guessing we're doing Nosferatu, the Vampire. Yeah, boy, I'm looking forward to rewatching that. Yes, I am as well. Um, I have the yummy BFI Steelbook of that to, to, to pop on. <laughs> Uh, right, um, questions. Um, we have a couple. Um, TGP73, uh, Jim the Prince, says, what is the best bit of gunplay in cinema?
1: I mean, you're kind of looking at hard-boiled, um, Ooh, or yeah. you're looking at, um, I mean, in terms of, like, leading up to a gunplay, gun I mean, the Ecstasy of Gold sequence in The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, um...
0: Can I, throw, can I throw a heat into that? Oh my god! Yeah, the um, the, the the
1: bank robbery. Yeah, scene. the bank
0: robbery scene in Heat is. my god, Fantastic. Yeah. Um,
1: the over the shoulder Val Kilmer with the gun shit. Yeah. Oh. It, it
0: is yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Um, <laughs> tombstone again a Val Kilmer thing, but Tombstone. Um, but also just a slight tangent, but. Am I right in thinking that, that Black Hat got released in the States last week and isn't even going to hit top 10?
1: Yeah, apparently it's going to make about $4 million. <laughs> that's fucking Jesus. brutal. It cost about. I think it cost about 70
0: What? I mean, what's. Is, is it just got that Really, bad reviews?
1: really, really apathetic reviews. That's, American Sniper, like, took a lot of its audience yeah. away.
0: But I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it, it, 70 million. Yeah, it's predicted to be about four million. Wow, that's and
1: appara- apparently, apparently, he's still doing his digital video. Kind of makes it look like shit stuff as well.
0: Uh, oh, I'm still looking forward to it. It's a Michael Mann film.
1: Mate, I'm 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 all over it. I'm 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 still I'm all over it. I, I will watch anything Michael Mann does, but yeah. it does sound like he he. he might
0: have fucked the dog on this one. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, back to the gunplay, um, I'm thinking what else might go in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the one that always strikes me out uh, as being one of my favourite kind of shootout scenes or anything like that, always comes back to Heat. I think that's it's an incredibly engrossing sequence, without question.
1: Oh, but Paddington's up to do nearly 20 million. Wow. That's something.
0: In America, that's...
1: 19.3 million, yeah.
0: That's good, that. I um, mean, he's broken. a hundred million worldwide.
1: There you go. You know, yeah. uh, I'm sure it didn't cost that. Good, good on them. Good on because Studio Canal they fully financed that film. Yeah, it that's was like the most they've ever them. put into a single film. Yeah, exactly. And that's it's paid off. And good for them for having the faith. Because I know it was with. I think it was with Warner's. Because it's produced by David uh, Tangent again, but never mind. Yeah. Produced by David Heyman, who produced uh, pro- produced produced the uh, the Harry Potter films. Mm. So I think like Warner's were all over it, and then they uh, and then they were no, maybe not. Studio Canal pick it up, put some money into it, you know. And with all the creepy panics and stuff beforehand, and Colin Firth dropping out, it was Yay. all a little bit like oh dear, and then. Here we go. Yeah, you know, it, good it, on it.
0: Really, and it, you know, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen it, I'm very much a default, so I didn't get a chance to watch it over Christmas. Uh, but, you know, I, I will pick it up when it comes out on Blu-ray. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it is amazing how that film went from being, you know really? Has anybody asked shit and make a fucking Paddington movie? To the creepy Paddington thing, to um, Colin Firth dropping out at the last minute, uh, to, you know, the, the Daily Mail doing the whole, you know, what's the BBFC got against Paddington and all that crap. To actually a lot of people saying it's a really sweet, a really nice, lovely family movie, you know, $55 million it cost uh, and it, it's going to make, you know, probably in excess of $150 million, which for... It, it, it's pretty incredible for for this film, you know, and, and all fucking power to it. Mm.
1: Absolutely, man.
0: Uh, the other question we have is from Tom, Mark, very cinematic. He says, Alex Garland is developing 28 months later. Which Brit actor would you like to see eaten by a zombie? Uh, he's nominating James <laughs> Corden.
1: Which Brit
0: actor? Yeah. Danny Dyer, Dyer. It's got to be Danny Dyer. Dyer. You know, I, Reese
1: I not British, is she?
0: No. As long as it's not in a film, because then that'd mean Danny Dyer would get more film work. Just if it was just eaten by a zombie in just real life. Yeah, I'm going down going Danny Dyer. Or Ray Winston. Just because I'm fucking bored of him. Hmm.
1: Danny Dyer's pretty perfect, mind.
0: Yeah, isn't it? James Corden's a good shout as well, actually.
1: I don't hate James Corden as much as everyone. James Corden I think he's whatever but hey
0: ah, you're wrong <laughs> 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 on oh, that one <laughs> nice uh, yeah that, that, that's my that'd be my too Danny Dyer's closely followed by Ray Winston
1: fair enough <laughs> I, I'm just going to agree on Danny Dyer I think that's pretty spot on
0: yeah cool right uh, that was episode 96 um, what are you coming next week Ian why do I need a piss again? Because you've been drinking beer. Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah,
1: I really yeah, do though.
0: Very much looking forward oh, mate, to it. I am so fucking excited
1: for Ex Machina. Yeah, I. I. I, am I, actually, so... I it's it. written by the guy who wrote my favourite film of all times. So, you know, how can I not be? And
0: directed by him, isn't it as well? Is, 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 that his first, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his first directorial film.
1: Credited,
0: yeah. Yeah, because of course he, he, he didn't direct Dread, did he? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd very much look forward I wasn't actually, I didn't like the first couple of trailers, but then I saw a trailer before I watched um, Taken 3, actually, funny enough. Uh, and after that trailer, I was like, oh, yeah, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm well on board f- for that. Um so oh, very much forward to that. Not heard
1: a bad thing about it either. Yeah.
0: Not heard a bad word about it. Oh nice. Uh we're also gonna cover um uh, the next installment of our Ian and Mark, uh Drag Verna over a Mountain with Nuss for through the vampire. We'll in some do one old want to, um, Do you wanna Do you
1: wanna double bill it with the most violent year instead of one old one you?
0: Yes. Fine with that. Cool. Yeah.
1: Oh, Alright, may, may do one old one new. See like, see how we go sign
0: wise. but I, I think sign-wise. priority double bill it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with that. Very much looking forward to, to that as well. It's like an Oscar Isaacs double bill. It's an Oscar Isaac special. Oh yeah. I might, we I, like I, Oscar. I, Is- I, I, I might watch. Uh, I might I might watch Oscar Isaac movies for my one old and one new. So it's just all Oscar Isaacs all the time. I might I might even make, nice. I might even put a little a little head of Oscar Isaacs on a little on like a lollipop stick and just put it in front of Klaus Kinski while I'm watching uh, Nosferatu and just move it around so everything's got Oscar Isaacs <laughs> in it for that week. Uh um, nice. yes, so that was episode ninety six. Uh you can get in touch with us, doing at gmail uh, we will check the email at some point, we promise. Uh I na-
1: checked it today, nothing.
0: Yes. Oh well, no, boo, send us something. Um if, as long as it's nice. Reviews on iTunes. Um, what else is there? Do the Monkey. Uh, oh, at Do Monkey on Twitter. At Ian Lauren on Twitter. At DoFoz on Twitter. Send us questions at any point, uh, and we'll save them for the next show, and we'll answer them then. Uh, anything else to add, Ian?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. That was a fun show.
0: Damn right was. Downright was. Uh,
1: yeah. Good shit. I fucking need a piss so right, bad uh, Again, I'm going to con-
0: oh, continue talking so Ian can, can't go for a pee uh, for the next sort of, I don't know, next couple of minutes, I think maybe. Uh, yeah, cool. Anything else, Sweat No? No? Good? Good? Right, I'm good. Thank you very much. Episode 96. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers. Cheers, guys.